Our mouths get us in a lot of trouble, don't they? Uh, it's because we talk so much. It seems like everybody in America has something to say. There are talk shows everywhere, radio, TV. There are talk shows all over the place. The average American has 30 conversations a day, and you will spend one-fifth of your life talking. In one year, your conversations will could fill 66 books of 800 pages each. What are you talking about? What are you saying? Now, some of you, that's only a drop in the bucket, and I realize you could do more, and so I really want to know what you're talking... No, I don't want to know what you're talking about. If you're a man, you speak an average of 20,000 words a day. If you are a woman, you you speak an average of 30,000 words a day. And we have this uncanny ability to open our mouths at the wrong time. Nothing is opened more often at inappropriate times than our mouths. It's like the grocery uh, store stock boy that I heard about. A lady came up to him in the grocery store and said, can I buy half a head of lettuce? He thought that was really a stupid question, but he would go ask his manager. He walks up to ask his manager, not realizing that the woman is right behind him. He says, you're not going to believe this, but this old bag back here wants to buy half a head of lettuce. He sees the look in his store manager's eye. He turns around and sees the woman. He goes, and this beautiful lady wants to buy the other half. Now, that was a good attempt. That was a good attempt, but he, that was a swing and a miss. Our mouths get us into so much trouble. And James, we're studying the book of James for the next few weeks. That's what this whole series right now is about. Because James, he's the half-brother of Jesus. James was one of those doubters. He was a skeptic. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God until he watched Jesus die on the cross and then he saw him resurrected from the grave. And James changed his opinion about who Jesus was. And so he decided he is the, the Son of God. And he writes this book with his name, this, this letter, the book of James, and it's the gospel, it's the good news of Jesus Christ with blue jeans on. This is as practical as it gets in the Bible. So what we've been saying is don't ever tell me that the Bible doesn't apply to today because James is going to, I mean, you just said all of us get in trouble with, with our mouths. How many of you ever said something that you regretted? How many of you ever wanted to have a do-over? You know, when we were kids, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. Yeah, well, too late because it's already out there. James says more about the tongue, this this slab of meat in our mouths that get us in trouble than any other book in the New Testament. And in every chapter, all five chapters, he says something about the tongue. Today we're going to look at chapter 3 and we're going to start in verse 2. Look what James says here. All of us do many things wrong, but if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your whole body. Now, he just lays it out there, and, and I'm going to warn you of this because we're going to get it get here in a minute. Anytime you see brothers and sisters, and we're going to see that in just a second, James says, brothers and sisters, that means whatever is coming next, look out because he's going to smack you upside the head with a two-by-four because he's going to hit you right where we live. So he's saying, okay, if you are mature, you keep your mouth shut. Immature people spout off whatever they are thinking. There is no filter between here and here. All right, that's that's from the Bible. Don't get mad at me. If you want to be mature, then you got to learn to shut your mouth. So why is this a big deal? There's three things that, that James wants us to know about this whole deal. This is on your listening guide, why this is a big deal to keep our tongues under control. The first thing is my tongue directs where I go. My tongue directs where I go. Where are you headed in life? Where are you going to be 10 years from now? I can get a clue. You can get a clue by your conversations. 11 years ago, we started talking about building a church like this. 11 years ago. 
Um, and in fact, we, we talked about this last week, 11 years ago, this month or this previous month, we were at a conference, Janie and I were, where we got the dream for this church and we started talking about it. 11 years later, we can't believe how much time has gone by. We can't believe we're in our own building and, and that it's nice. <laughs> We've been in buildings that weren't so nice. And we're just grateful for what God has done. But you have clues to where you're going to be in five or ten years by what you're talking about today. James says that we shape our words and then our words shape us. And he says this little thing, this slab of meat, is so tiny compared to the rest of our body, but it has unbelievable power. And let's look what he says about it. Verse 3. We can make a large horse turn around and go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Now, this is really a pretty funny image. Years ago, when, when Caleb was a baby, we stuck him up on a horse, and, and I had to get up there with him, and I was in flip-flops, and, and really, uh, it was bad. We should have brought that picture. But I want you to think about this. You, you, the, the racehorses, you see some of the, the races that are going on. The thoroughbred racehorse, you put a little dude or a woman on there that's about 95 pounds. you got a two to 3,000-pound animal. It seems like an unfair fight, right? But the jockey has something that helps him control that horse. And it's this little bit of metal strategically placed in that horse's mouth. He can control wherever that horse goes simply by this little piece of metal there. James says in the very same way, our tongues, this little bitty thing in here, controls and directs the direction of our life. And it gets us in lots of trouble. Now, he doesn't start stop with the horse illustration. James is one of those guys, he's going to give you six illustrations. In fact, we're, we're using six of them today, straight out of the book of the, the Word of God. And, and he's going to tell you all these different things. So he gives another illustration. He says uh, that, uh, verse 4, And a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. Now, I don't know if you've been on a cruise ship or if you've seen the size of a rudder in comparison to a ship. Show that picture. This is the Freedom of the Seas by Royal Caribbean. Now, for the time being, this is the largest cruise ship on the waters. Now, to give you some comparison, the Titanic was 46,000 tons. This puppy is 160,000 tons. Let me, let me share, share with you some of the things that are on this ship. Um, oh, it's 75 yards longer than the Titanic, and it can hold with both crew and passengers over 5,000 people. So one-third of Palestine could fit on this cruise ship. It has a, a full-size basketball court back there on the back of the ship. It has an ice skating rink. You know those little uh, wave rider things you see at the water parks nowadays where you get on the little board and you can ride the waves? and do It, it has two of those, not one but two. It has a full-size rock climbing mountain on the back, back there by the stacks. And when you're up there, you are about 200 feet uh, above the surface of the water. It's 15 stories high above the water, and then you've got all of this stuff. Uh, let's see. Uh, it has, oh, I don't know if you can see those things protruding on the sides. There's two on this side, there's two on the other. Those are hot tubs that jut out about 15 to 20 feet over the ocean, which is really cool. I hadn't been on this ship, but I really just want to sit there. I think that would be way cool. Uh, let's see. It has a uh, fitness center. I think there's like eight swimming pools and about 15 hot tubs, and it has a mall. A full-size ice skating rink, but a mall. When I'm saying a mall, if you walk outside of J.C. Penney in our world-famous mall, if you walk outside J.C. Penney, go down the hallway as far as goodies. That's how big the mall is in the atrium in this thing. You beginning to understand how big this is? It has two anchors. You can see one coming down on the front. Each anchor weighs more than 10 cars. And it has two rudders. The rudders, see this little small boat over here? The rudders are about the size of the small boat. So in comparison to the size of the ship, the rudders are relatively small. 
But if you want to change direction, what do you have to change? The rudders. And so with a, with a bit in a horse's mouth or a rudder on a large ship, even though it's relatively small, if you want to control the direction of that and overcome opposing forces, we've been in, in some, <laughs> we've been on a ship that wasn't really this nice. It was, it was a piece of something. And, and when we were out in the ocean, we're rocking back and forth and it's just bad, bad news. If you want to overcome that, you better have a rudder that you can depend on. Well, the rudder keeps the ship on course. If you don't like the direction of that ship, you change the rudder. If you don't like the direction of your life, you change this little bitty rudder that's in your mouth. We have to learn to control our tongues. So if you don't like where you're going, figure out what you're saying and say something differently. So our tongue directs where we want to go. And this is really pretty clear imagery. But he doesn't stop there. Second thing that he tells us about our tongue is it can destroy what I have. It can destroy what I have. James 3, 5. See also, or so also, the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. How many sparks does it take to set a forest on fire? Every year, it seems like California, half of it burns down. I don't know how it comes back so quickly. Because there's always stuff burning out there, right? And it's usually somebody gets careless with a cigarette butt, or they get careless when they're out camping, and just a little spark will carry somewhere, and it'll set things on fire. James says that your tongue can destroy like that. It spreads quickly and it wreaks havoc. And I wonder how many people with just a couple of careless words have destroyed their marriages or they've destroyed their careers or they've destroyed their own reputation or the reputation of someone else. Or maybe they've destroyed their church with just a careless word. Or maybe they've destroyed a friendship because of a careless word. The tongue has the power not only to direct where I'm going in life, but also to destroy the things that I have. And I don't know if you've ever been around a verbal arsonist. They're like, their mouth opens and it's a flamethrower. <sighs> I've got some people in extended family. We'll put it that way so that if anybody hears this, I don't get in trouble. Who is that? Who is that? That's how my family did. You talking about me? No, no. Verbal flamethrowers where you come in and all they're planning to do is, is scorch you or scorch somebody. And I wonder how many of those verbal arsonists, they get into a conversation and they just inject a couple of inflammatory remarks, hoping that that little spark will travel around to the person they intended to hurt. You've been around people like that, right? James says it should not be so. If you don't control it, the results can be devastating. Proverbs 18.20 has something to say about this. You have to live with the consequences of everything you say. If only we could take it back. But we can't, and that's the hard thing. Verse 6, James goes on. He says, The tongue is like a spark. It is an evil power that dirties the rest of the body and sets a person's entire life on fire with flames that come from hell itself. Is he pretty serious about the tongue? One translation says, The tongue is set on fire by the flames of hell. You can say something you didn't mean to have any harm, but it can have devastating effects. It was only a few inflammatory remarks that, that started what we now call World War II. On a more personal level, Men, husbands, you come home from work, you yell at the wife, the wife yells at the oldest kid, the oldest kid yells at the babysitter, the babysitter goes outside and kicks the dog, the dog barks, uh, bites the cat, the cat comes back in, scratches the baby, the baby bites the head off the Barbie doll. Wouldn't it be simpler if the dad just came home and bit the Barbie doll himself? It would save so much if we just cut out the middleman. Now, you'd set on fire by hell itself. Well, let me, let me give you an example. I, I do a lot of, of marriage counseling, pre-marriage and post-marriage and 
and whenever you are in marriage counseling. And a lot of times folks will come in and, and early on in the process, there's some, there's some junk. There's some issues. And so we'll be talking and, and I'll say, tell me, tell me what's going on. And so one of them will say, well, I said this. And, and the other one will go, well, no, you said this. And I said this. And, and it escalates right there in front of me. And it gets to the point where you're like going, dude, I better duck or, you know, separate them. And, and then there'll be this pause because you can tell that, that the thing is just, and I'll say, then what happened next? And, and sometimes I'll hear all hell broke loose. You ever, you ever been in one of those deals where your words could cause all of hell to break loose? That's what James says is you've got to learn to manage your mouth, not only because it can direct where you're going to go and, and it will, but it can also destroy the things that you have. You can lose your family. You can lose your kids, your career simply by what you say. It's a fire. Again, go back to Proverbs, which was written by the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus Christ. Proverbs 21, 23 says, watching what you say can save you a lot of trouble. If we did one fourth of what the Bible tells us to do, our lives would be so much smoother. Now, in case you hadn't gotten it yet, James is going to use another illustration. This time he talks about a zoo in verses 7 and 8. People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is an uncontrollable evil full of deadly poison. Now, if you've ever been to the zoo or to one of those wildlife safaris where you drive through, there are certain signs around the cages or there's signs around the, the path where you're driving. What do those signs say? Don't feed the animals. Don't roll down your windows if lions and tigers and bears, oh my, are around, you know. Don't get in the, there's a reason for that because even that, even though that animal looks docile, it looks like it's harmless, looks like it may be tranquilized and on drugs, there is a wild side to that animal that may decide you need to be dinner may decide to remove a limb from you. And, and James says that, that our words, our mouth is like that. It is dangerous, full of deadly poison. Now, the word for poison literally means snake venom. And the problem with snake venom is it works silently and slowly, but it can be incredibly deadly. And unless I miss my bet here, Every one of you here still carries the scars of some poison that was injected into you at some point in your life. It may go back to when you were a child. Um, it may be a parent. It may be a friend. It may be uh, a spouse. And that poison eats at you. And it can destroy relationships if it's left unchecked. Happens all of the time. Now, it directs where I go and it can destroy what I have. There's another thing. That, that James says about the tongue, and this is really the meat of what we're, we're getting at today. It displays who I am. And this one hurts. James, has, anybody, has James been beating anybody else up during this series? Dude, I'm studying during the week and I just realized how far I have to go. Ah. James says that our tongue reveals what's on the inside of us. It shows our character or lack of character. Verses 9 and 10. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it breaks out into curses against those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Now, we have a, a, a tradition of coming here on Sundays, and, and one of the first things we do after the uh, countdown clock is we begin to sing praises to God. And the highest use of your tongue 
is to praise your Creator, your Maker. And then we get into the car and we walk out and we argue about whose turn it is to do the dishes or where we're going to eat lunch or who didn't do this. And and isn't it amazing how quickly our attitudes can change? <laughs> or, you know, someone cuts you off. It, it, yeah, that's that's one of mine. We can, we can be in here and we say, oh, here I am to worship. And the next minute we're saying, shut up, you jerk. Right? I mean, right there. You idiot. You know, this, and, and the Bible says that's inconsistent. How come that happens? And, uh, cursing here, now this does not mean the four letter words. Cursing means anything that is hurtful to others. Like, you're no good. You'll never amount to anything. You're so stupid. Any of those types of labels, that's cursing that James is talking about. And it does all kinds of damage in our relationships. And, and James says, why curse men? Because they're made in God's image. And, and I'm going to tell you, I struggle with this. Why is it that um, we can be so loving with, with the people that are closest to us? Why is it I can be so loving to my children and just something happens? And, and this is kind of funny because I've told them, no one can make you mad. You choose to get mad. You know, because he makes me so mad. No, they don't. You choose to get mad. So then when this happens and I get mad at them, I'd say, I'm choosing to get mad. Um, but then I'll say things that hurt them. I'll, I'll be mean to them verbally and, and I'll say things that, that could damage. You don't know how many times I have prayed and said, God, please don't curse my children by the things I've said. Please don't curse my wife by the things I've said. And I, I have to ask for forgiveness a lot in my family. Because uh, there's this poison inside of me. And, and I don't know if you struggle with an inconsistent tongue, but I think you probably do because James says we all have it. And he's about to tell us why. In verse 11 and 12. Can clean water and dirty water both flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? Does fresh water come from a well full of salt water? The point is whatever is in the well... <laughs> is what comes out of the well. Whatever is in the tree comes out in the fruit. What is the likelihood of an apple tree producing cherries? Zero. Y'all are good. So my problem is not really my tongue. There's a root problem that's deeper. You want to know what the root problem is? My heart is bad. And according to the Bible, your heart is bad. What's inside eventually is going to come out. My mouth betrays me and really shows what I'm like. And I can fool you and pretend that that I'm this great person, but eventually my tongue is going to betray me and your tongue is going to betray you and it's going to let everyone who hears you know what's really on the inside. And have you ever heard someone use this excuse? Say They say something really mean or hurtful. They say, I don't know what got into me. That's not like me. I don't know why I said that. It's totally out of character. I didn't mean it. You know what James, the half-brother of Jesus, would say? Baloney. What you just said reveals exactly what is on the inside of you. Quit kidding yourself. You meant it. You don't have a spring on the inside, James says, that one minute gives fresh water and the next minute gives salt water. It doesn't work like that. A natural law is whatever is on the inside comes out. Now, Jesus said this long uh, before James did. Matthew 12, 34, he said, Your words show what is in your heart. Jesus explained the Freudian slip long before Freud ever lived. 
He said, what's inside of you is what's going to come out. My tongue, your tongue displays what we're like on the inside. And if we are honest, it's not a pretty sight. If you've got a problem with your tongue, it's much deeper than your tongue. You have a heart problem. A person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. A person with a boasting tongue has an insecure heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. A person who is critical all the time has a bitter heart. But on the other hand, a person who is always encouraging has a happy heart. A person who speaks gently to others has a loving heart. A person who speaks truthfully has an honest heart. Okay, so if we all have this disease, is there hope? Sure, that's why we come on Sundays. What do we need to do? Well, first thing you need to do is get a new heart. The problem is your heart, so you don't need um, bypass surgery. You need a heart transplant. Ezekiel was a prophet in the Old Testament. And what prophets did was they talked to the people of God. There were chosen people in the Old Testament, the people of Israel. And a prophet was sent by God because the people of Israel would get so far away from following God. They would be so far into doing their own thing. They had turned their back on the Word of God, which then was just the Old Testament. They were so far away that God would raise up somebody to speak very clearly the truth of God's Word to them. And and they were called prophets. So Ezekiel was a prophet. And look what Ezekiel said to them thousands of years ago. Get rid of all the sins you have done and get for yourselves a new heart and a new way of thinking. See, if I paint the outside of a well that's poison... And I, and, and I try to get people in third world countries to drink from that well. What am I doing? Have I, have I not fixed the well if, if I just make it look pretty? No. Painting the outside doesn't do anything. It's the poison in the well that kills. I can turn over a leaf, but what I really need is a new life. What I need is a fresh start. I need to let go of the past and be born again and start over. So I get this new heart. Second Corinthians 5.17 is the theme verse for our church. What this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore for the old life is gone. A new life has begun. We believe God has called us to start this church to tell people that they can have a brand new start, a new life. No matter who you are in your past, no matter what your heart is like, the promise of the Bible, the promise of Jesus Christ raising again on Easter Sunday morning is that you can have a heart transplant. What you cannot do, because the Bible says no one can control the tongue, God can. So you don't need natural power to control your tongue. You need supernatural power. And the only way you get that is through Jesus Christ. It's like being born again. And we need to to pray like David did in the Old Testament. David and Goliath, the guy that that fought Goliath, he's one of the greatest kings of the Old Testament. In Psalm 51, when he had been, when it had been revealed that he'd had an affair, that he'd killed a man, that that um, uh, over this affair, when it when it was revealed that he was a sinful man and everyone knew it, look what he prayed in Psalm 51:10, "Create in me a clean heart, O God." And I think David knew that what was in his heart was going to come out. So you got to get a new heart. Second thing you got to do is you got to ask God for help every day. You need supernatural power. You can't do it on your own. Your life and my life, our history is what proves we can't do it on our own. So we need supernatural power. We need to pray this, and this is your uh, your memory verse card that you got when you came in today. Psalm 141.3. Post a guard at my mouth, God. Set a watch at the door of my lips. Great verse to memorize and pray every day. God, put a muzzle on my mouth. Don't let me say things that are inappropriate today, God. Don't let me be critical. Don't let me be judgmental. Help me have a clue. Help me to think. 
Getting into God's Word is one of the best things you can do. Um, what a lot of people do is they'll, they'll pray, and people tell me this all the time. I pray all the time, and it's not making any difference. Well, you've, you've heard that, that old, old saying, garbage in, garbage out. If you're putting crap in your mind, guess what's coming out of your mouth? I mean, come on, this is the natural law here. So if you're going to put good stuff, you get into God's Word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is a person. It's not some concept that you have to discover. Jesus said, He is the truth. When you meet Jesus Christ, He transforms you from the inside out. One of the ways He does that is through the Word of God. That's why we give you these memory verse cards. That's why we encourage people to read. I don't know if you've been reading the book of James, but I'm reading the book of James every week. And every week I read it. I memorized over half of the book of, the James, uh, book of James 10 years ago. And, and when I read it, I go, oh man, I forgot that. I need to apply this. Every week I'm reading through that to try to get good stuff in my mind and in my heart so that it overpowers. The supernatural overpowers the natural. Then what comes out of me is not bad, but helpful. So you need to get into God's Word and you need to ask Him to fill your mind with good things and ask Him to help you. The third thing is, if we would just do this, think before you speak. How many of you do not have that gear? Four of us. Okay. Everybody else just disregard everything. James in, in verse, in chapter 1 verse 19 says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. There is an order here. He says, if you will be quick to listen, you will be much more slowly to speak. You'll be much more slowly to get angry. Um, if you have a problem with anger, then you need to work on your listening skills. Because what do we do? Someone will come and say something to us and we get defensive and we think we know what they mean. Oh, so this is what you're really saying. Where did you get that? Read my lips, listen to the words coming out of my mouth. That is not what I said. But but we get defensive because we assume we know what you mean. You may not have said it, but you meant it. Shut up! And listen, figure out what they're saying, and then respond to that. What does your tongue re say about you? What does it reveal about you? If we were to get a recording of every conversation, this is scary, that you had this last week, and we were to play it one by one, this would be a very lonely place right now. Because you'd be heading out. You'd want to hear what everybody else had to say, but you'd want the name to pop up so you could book it when, you know, your name came up and your conversations. Well, let me just be brutally honest with you. Your conversations this last week reveal who you are. They reveal who's in charge in your life. They reveal the condition of your heart. And that's a scary thing. Isn't it? James says the only way to get control of your tongue is to let Jesus Christ have control of your heart. Your tongue is heading you in a certain direction. And, and I know people say, oh, I can't do this. My life sucks. I can't do this. I can't do that. Which direction do you think your life is headed? Can't, right. You got you to let God show you what you can do. The Bible has all kinds of promises. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. With, with men, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. If you're saying you can't, you're depending on you and not on God. Now, once you've asked God to give you a new heart, and I'm going to give you that opportunity in just a second, there are 15 words, and I've, I've left a blank at the bottom of your uh, paper here today, and, and each of these words or phrases, I want you to leave a blank out beside it. So you're going to write these down, give you a little bit more homework here to do, and then I'm going to give you an assignment for each of these. 
15 words that will change your life if you say them. Please. Leave a blank out there. Thank you. You know what those two words do? They honor the person you're talking to. Instead of ordering someone around, would you please do this? Or thank you for doing that. That honors that person. Will you forgive me? Not sorry. Sorry, sucker, that I hurt you. Sorry. No, no. Will you forgive me? Puts the ball in their court. And it says, I'm no longer in control of this thing. I'm admitting I'm wrong. Will you forgive me? And you allow them the space to do that. I love you. Again, unless I miss my bet, most of us here did not hear those words enough from the important people in our lives. So we need to say them often and then demonstrate them. I will pray for you. Then do it. Don't say, I'm praying for you. Because when you talk to God about people, then you're in a position to talk to people about God. Not the other way. That's why we mess it up. We try to do, be the voice of God when we've not heard the voice of God. And it messes us up. 